God. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to talk about the spirit of Christmas today. Amen. 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 (laughs) Yeah, there is a spirit of Christmas. Okay. Because there is a release in the earth at this time. Whenever we we talked about this, that because man has dominion on the earth, whatever he decrees and declares on the earth, God must honor. So when you decree and declare a holiday, God has to honor that by allowing himself to participate in whatever way man has ordained. Except for things that God ordains first. So, for instance, if we celebrate Thanksgiving, there is a spirit of Thanksgiving because that that holiday was offered up to God first. Holiday is, is really a, a form of the word holy day. And so, but there are secular holidays, and then there are God ordained holy days, holidays. And so, God has to uh, sanction all of them, and the things that we have prescribed be done during those times, God allows in the secular, but He is in control of the ones that are spiritual. The ones that are God ordained, He is in control of. And you will find that God's Holy Spirit hovers during these times. And he has prescribed certain things to take place during these times on an annual basis. You'll hear uh, people, secular people like to argue. They pick up some of the Christian arguments that we argue and we shouldn't. Like was Jesus really born in December? Well, what do you care? You know, if you're going to avoid hell, you don't care what month he was born in. He just came here. You know what I'm Taking care of business. And so uh, those of us who are received of the mercy of God, you know, I could care less about that debate because it doesn't negate the fact that God's word is true. Uh, We can argue about how man celebrates it. Then they'll say things like, well, uh, it didn't start out as a Christian holiday. Do you think I really care? You can when you're in God, you can make every day what you want it to be, regardless of who set the tone or who started the whole business. And so we can make every day a holiday in God or a holy day in God because we have the presence of God to do these things. And so those debates will will be around for a while. But the main issue is that Jesus Christ is real and he has his spirit here in the earth during the time of the celebration of his birth to do certain things so we're going to talk about what was present in the spirit during the first christmas in other words when jesus was born what did god release into the earth and that will give you a clue as to what is released into the earth during this time Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when God calls for us to commemorate the birth of his son, then he ordains that certain things happen during that time. There are certain attitudes, there are certain uh, abilities, there are certain pervasive thoughts, uh, goals, uh, desires that come forth during a time when God's spirit prevails. And this is one of the major times on the earth where the spirit of God does prevail. So part of the spirit, we're going to talk about, there There were about one, two, three, eight aspects of the spirit of Christmas that I found in the word, and I'm sure there are more. 
um, there are ones that you will find and understand as well. But the primary purpose of the spirit of Christmas is to bring forth or evoke certain responses in the hearts of people worldwide. It does not matter uh, where you come from and what you believe. I remember I tell people everybody's a Christian at Christmas. I don't care if you celebrate Happy Kwanzaa, if you're into Hanukkah, uh, you know, whatever you're into, uh, everybody's a Christian at Christmas. Because the Spirit of Christ hovers over the earth to guide people in a certain way and to produce a certain result down here on earth that commemorates the spirit that was present in the earth during his birth i was talking uh, i remember i think it was shannon worked with a man who said he was muslim he said yeah but i celebrate christmas too i like the presents <laughs> so he used, to, <laughs> he used to go to a christian church you know he's nominally muslim but if you give him gr- gifts he's a christian then too so he he liked that part he's oh i like G- i believe jesus yeah i like the presents so <laughs> You know, I mean, hey, it's God's business to pull people in however he wants to pull them in. I like the presents myself. Huh? <laughs> so I can't blame the brother there. <laughs> but the first spirit that, that I found that's released during this time is the spirit of expectancy. There is an anticipation in the air. There is an expectancy. It's hard to find people who have a sense of dread during this time of year. And you will find it sometimes in people who don't know God and don't know his provision. Because there's an interplay of different different aspects of his spirit to get people to accomplish certain things during this time. And expectancy is something that we understand is prevalent in the air. The traditional Christmas churches, like sometimes the Lutheran, Methodist, uh, old-time denominational churches, will have a, a, a time of year they call Advent. And it starts before Christmas. I'm not, is it 40 days out or something like that? But 40 days before Christmas. And they will light candles commemorating you know, in anticipation of the coming of the Lord. And it is a time where they encourage people to prepare their hearts as though Jesus were coming to judge the earth or coming to take an account of his people. Whatever you're anticipating the coming of the Lord. So there is a a time of the advent of Christ coming into the earth that his spirit prepares men's hearts for. God wants to see certain things accomplished during Christmas. He could care less about your auntie, your uncle, or whoever you don't want to see during the holidays. You understand one of them people you want to avoid? Hello. He could care less about that. There are certain things that he wants to accomplish. And so this spirit of expectancy is a part of the spirit of Christmas. And you see that in Luke 1, verse 31. Chapter 1, verse 31. And it was Mary... Being told by the Holy Spirit that she was going to conceive a son. So that spirit of expectancy is a part of the spirit of Christmas worldwide throughout the ages. Always has been, always will be. There have been times in the dark ages where people did not celebrate as much. 
But Christmas was always revived. There's always a spirit hovering over the earth encouraging people to expect a time of peace, to expect a time of worship, to expect a time of giving. Expect God to help you to do certain things that he wants done to commemorate the life and the birth of his son. And so it says here, and behold, you shall conceive. This is the angel talking to to Mary. The angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. That's verse 30. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of the kingdom of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary to the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. It's another aspect of the spirit of Christmas is miracles. You can expect the miraculous during this time. And he says, Therefore also that holy thing shall that which shall be born of you shall be called the son of god and here's another expectancy in verse 36 behold your cousin elizabeth she has also conceived a son in her old age and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for with god nothing shall be impossible so here you see expectancy and miracles riding hand in hand in the spirit of Christmas. This is something that people know and experience all the time during Christmas. It's a high time of expecting good things. Expecting the miraculous. Sometimes it's a miracle that you can afford to buy gifts for everybody. You look back at the end of that season and you look at all that you accomplished that you can't get done any other time. You were able to afford everything for everybody. Some of the things that you were expecting God to do and praying for and desiring were put into your hands as gifts through through other people. And so this is a time of high expectancy. It's a time of, of high encouragement in God's spirit for the things that are impossible during the rest of the year. So I encourage people, you know, don't don't be don't get worldly and stupid. And and short out God's power and snuff out the spirit. You know, don't get on the bandwagon with the naysayers and the worldly people and the secular people that don't want, don't, don't know God. You know, the people who don't enjoy Christmas are just acting in ignorance. They're acting in ignorance. And it's uh, uh, and why do we let people like that influence us? Is, is you know, well, uh, people have lost the real meaning of Christmas. I haven't. Listen, I live in the meaning of it every day. And I know what the Lord's done for me. I know what Jesus did for me. I know what I was when he found me. And I know what he's recreated me to be. So I live in a reality of what Christmas is every day. So I definitely know the true meaning. And I rejoice in the true meaning. And part of the true meaning is having a spirit of giving upon you. As well as expectation. You expect good things during Christmas. No, and you know the devil's always putting his two cents in there. You know, well, you know, this is a time when people who have lost a loved one are depressed. 
Well, I wasn't until you brought it up. I was doing pretty good. Till you opened your stinking mouth. You understand what I'm saying? So the devil is always trying to steal the spirit away from God. He's jealous because of the power of God's spirit. So he comes in there with his two cents and tries to put a damper on things and get you to expect negative things. Get you expect not to have. So you, you know, you approach the day with dread. Huh? Because you know you're going to be upset. Well, I'm upset because I got so many mouths to feed and we only have so much money and, and I just don't know what to do. You know, and he'll put that kind of nonsense on you. You know, the, the, probably one of the most popular stories about Christmas, uh, the Christmas Carol, uh, is a story about a man who wants not to celebrate Christmas. Huh? Well, Scrooge didn't know any better. You know, he grew up poor and he found a way to make money and it didn't matter to him what day it was. He just kept sitting up there and counting money <laughs> and taking care of business. But God stopped him. See, the spirit of Christmas is so strong in, in, in that God wants to affect the hearts of people during this time. In remembrance that his son died for everything that troubles you. Everything that separates you from the goodness of God. Everything that separates you from people. Everything that keeps you from wanting to, to rejoice in humanity and rejoice in the fact that you're created by God. And so and it just shows you the power of the spirit of God to affect a human heart. Because Scrooge had counted money every Christmas for years. Huh? And he, you know, he kept his employees working late and it should have been a holiday. You know, in, in old times, in Europe especially, because many of the governments were established in a, in a certain religion, they took their holidays seriously, folks. They shut down all the businesses. They shut down everything. And when you said holiday, people went off somewhere and they didn't come back until it was over. They didn't have this workaholic mentality that we are, are, are plagued with in this day and age. And people knew how to rest. They knew, and if they didn't go off and have church and worship God, but, but that worship was a big part of their, their holiday season. And there was a spirit of giving where everybody was generous and people canceled debts and all that kind of stuff. And so when Scrooge was there, you know, uh, just sitting in his office counting his money, he expected his employees to work as much as he did. He didn't care about anything until he went to bed that night. Huh? <laughs> Had a nighttime conversion experience <laughs> that he didn't forget. And he woke up a changed man. That's just how powerful the spirit of Christmas is if you give into it. The reason people in the world like to fight it so much is because it's so powerful and so strong to convert them. And they, some people always feel better if they can say they resist God than to say that they go along with the program. So there's always going to be people who are trying to say Christmas is too commercial. Well, do something, you know, different. You can do what you want to do at Christmas. You know, let the commercial people do what they want to do. Huh? Me myself, frankly, I don't think it's too. <laughs> you know, I mean, people people have to buy things, and people have to advertise. You understand what I'm saying? Just be real, folks. Just don't put a label on anything, because all of these labels are just the world trying to take away from from the meaning, so that it can rob believers of the meaning too. 
You know, I hate it when I see believers that don't want to participate, don't want to give, don't want to do this, don't want to do that. Well, just step out in faith and let the Spirit of God help you to do all of these things. God's not asking you to do anything in your own strength. He's asking you to allow his spirit. Just cooperate with the spirit of God. Expect good things. Expect miracles and expect greatness from God during this time. Luke 163 is another example of the miracles that come forth during this time. This was after the the uh, the um, birth of John the Baptist. So we talked about Elizabeth being pregnant herself in her old age and part of the restriction on the life of Elizabeth and her husband Zacharias that was that he was struck dumb during the time of his son's um, or his wife's pregnancy and he was struck dumb because God felt that in order for this thing to come to pass it was best if he didn't say nothing you understand what I'm saying some people just got too much mouth the other thing you have to remember is Zacharias's office as a high priest. And his words are more powerful as a high priest than normal words. Got it? And God is in control of his ministers. So if God wants to take one of his little servants and tie his mouth up, hey, I don't have no problem with it, God. You do what you want to do. But anyway, at the birth of John, Zacharias's tongue was loosed again. So the miracle of reversing what God had done to restrict his speech his speech was released and he began to prophesy so really during this time God was preparing Zacharias with a message for his people he just kept him secluded and kept him in a place where God can minister to him and give him the word of the Lord it took nine months for that word to be planted into Zacharias. Nine months of fasting, seclusion, drawing away from the world and from what the world was going on in the normal sense of things. And so I believe this was more for a time of preparation for Zacharias because what he had to say when his tongue was loose was extremely important. So the fact that the first words that were spoken out of his mouth were prophetic fulfillment and he gave a message that rings in the earth today lets me know that God didn't shut his mouth down just because he's a bad boy but he was preparing a message on the inside of him and this message was to be released and oftentimes when there's a miracle there's a bigger audience there's always a bigger audience and so it was important for Zacharias to spend this time in seclusion with God so that when when he did begin to speak he gave something that was of God it was totally 100% of God sometimes God has to use this time to get people set apart to him get people's attention allow people to understand what's on his heart for a change instead of just the normal going back and forth buying gifts you know this is also a time of of extreme worship in god as well as all of the other things so in luke 146 we see an example of that after mary has been told that she will bring forth a son she agrees with that and then she begins to magnify the Lord. So the spirit of worship hovers deeply over the earth during this time. 
She said, my soul does magnify the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Now this is a a song that's repeated during miraculous birth in the Bible. It's been repeated twice by women who received who were barren or received a miracle of birth. Now Mary's miracle has to do with the way she conceived the Lord. The other woman that sang the same song was Hannah. If you look at it's called the Magnificat, I guess those of you of the Catholic past Catholic persuasion. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but it just means to magnify. Huh? This means to magnify. And so it's a very similar song that's sung, and it's a song of the Lord that comes by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So then Mary, the spirit of prophecy, comes on Mary, and she begins to prophesy out. So this is a time of prophetic fulfillment. Christmas is always a time of prophetic fulfillment. You can look for the miraculous. You can expect good things. You can expect God to be involved in everybody's business during this time. Because the Spirit releases all of these things every time the birth of Jesus is celebrated. Every single time. And she says, And my spirit, verse 47, has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. And ain't that the truth? Huh? For he that is mighty has done to me great things and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imaginations of their hearts. Same thing Hannah spoke. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. So God is the equalizer. huh? Expect if you have been a person who's been abused or you feel that you haven't gotten a good deal in life or people haven't treated you right, God will exalt you. huh? Expect exaltation at some point if you serve God. All this little girl did was say yes to God. And he elevated her immediately and she felt it he says he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away he has helped his servant israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to abraham and to his seed forever and mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house so mary went and visited her elderly cousin elizabeth who is about to give birth when listen when they say you well stricken in years and great with age when god call you old you old so anyway (laughs) but then a miracle occurs zacharias's tongue has been loosed and he begins to speak again so that miracle is there so there's miracles and then there's worship we saw with Mary. In Matthew 2, we have another writer's view of this time. And this makes it more interesting because you can see that the Spirit affects not only the people of God, 
you know, Mary was a, a Jewish girl, Elizabeth. So we're seeing the effect of the birth of, of Christ and the spirit of Christmas on the church, so to speak. But we also see it on the world. So this spirit is not just something that, that ministers to Christians, but is released to the whole world. And, and people who are sinners or pagans or secular people can experience the same effect of God's spirit during this time. Because his spirit is there to minister to everybody. So we see this aspect of worship and wanting to get close to God and getting serious about God is released during this time. You'll see uh, people in, in some some churches, they refer to people who are holiday people, you know, when the ones that come out on Christmas are what? The poinsettias. They only come out or come to church on Christmas. Huh? Easter is the Easter lilies, right? So this is what people, church people call people who don't come to church except for those two holidays. That's what they refer to them as. So you see this poinsettias coming out <laughs> at Christmas. Huh? But also it does affect the world and that is a good thing. Because sometimes that's the only real true attraction people will have to God. So be thankful. I'm thankful they come out when they do. Because I know that there will be a time, and I believe that that pastors and ministers should be more respectful of the fact that people are there who maybe have never been to church before and don't come regularly and prepare a sermon from the heart of God that will minister to those individuals and draw them in. Because sometimes people are drawn into God just on these rare times that they will come to the house of God. But they come because they're drawn by his spirit. There's a spirit of worship that's released that causes people to want to come. They don't come just because they're guilty. They're guilty every Sunday. Huh? I mean, you know, really, if guilt was going to get them there, they'd be there every week. But it's not about guilt. It's about the spirit of worship that God releases that draws people to Christ. He said, "If, if I be lifted up. And see, when you talk about Christmas, when you talk about Jesus being the reason for the season, you are lifting up Jesus. You're exalting him and talking about him in a good way, in a blessed way. And so people want to hear about the Lord. He said, just lift me up. I'll draw the people. Don't worry about that. Just tell the people the truth about me and I will draw them unto myself. So here the spirit of worship and you see it gets on some people that it ain't supposed to get on. Hmm? Interesting. In Matthew chapter 2 verse 2 it says when now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king behold there came wise guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> huh? How you doing? <laughs> From the east to Jerusalem. So they were from, uh, uh, not from the Jewish kingdom. They were from Eastern Middle East. <laughs> and they said, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now these were men who were not Jews. But they felt the freedom to come and worship the king of the Jews. Well, now, why do you think they felt the freedom to come and worship him? 
because the spirit of worship was calling them to that place. When people want to come to church with you on Christmas, take them. If they don't know anything about worshiping God, just bring them anyway. Don't be reluctant to allow God to reveal himself to people when they don't know anything about him. Just let people feel free to respond to that spirit of worship. So when 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 you see the the secular and the religious come together this is a time when god is proving that he is lord of all jesus is king uh, he is a king and a priest so he's coming to the nation of israel more as their messiah their religious leader their if you if you will more of a spiritual leader but then he comes to the world as the king so he has both a secular and he has a spiritual title that makes him lord of all the whole world belongs to him when you see jesus crucified you'll see the world and the church come together against him to put him to death and so because he is lord of all and he's ruler of all and his kingdom is not of this world so neither the church nor the secular people were willing to accept him but he's lord of all anyway and so you can make him his make him your lord anytime because he's already proven that both those thrones belong to him and so here these wise men come to worship him And Herod heard this and he gathered the chief priests and the scribes of the people together and demanded of them where the Christ child should be born. So you see also uh, a type of warfare stirring up. Whenever a kingdom, you'll see this clash in the kingdoms that comes to stir Christ up. And we see that when, whenever the Spirit of God, I'm sorry, the Spirit of Christmas begins to stir things up, you'll see this clash between the church and the world. And, and we see that all the time. The world says it's too commercial. Uh, they don't want you to celebrate Christmas. There's a war in the courts where people want to take um, all of the religious symbols of Christmas down and put up reindeer and, and these... Uh, I shoot them when I see them up. <laughs> Bang in the name of Jesus. Tigger, you're dead. Ain't nobody. Drop down. Uh, I shoot them all. And next day I come by and they're all deflated laying down people's arms. They stay down there. You ain't got no business raising up on Christmas. It's the Lord's holiday. Killing everything that ain't about Jesus. So <laughs> It's just a little, you know, a little. It's better playing Nintendo or whatever y'all do. That's my Nintendo. Uh, I Nintendo to kill all of, you know. How did Tigger get to be some Christmas? You know, you pray to Tigger for something you need. I don't think so. Get him off your lawn. Huh? True that. <laughs> It always seems like the worst looking house has the biggest goofy secular display. I say, y'all need to go to church. Maybe you'd get a decent looking house, you worship God. Get Tigger off your lawn. So anyway, Merry Christmas. I killed Tigger. Yep. But they got everything out there. You know, Winnie the Pooh and 
you know, all the little anything but Jesus. You know, they put you in jail if you want to put a nativity scene up there. Huh? And every now and then you see some brave little household with a nativity out there, you know. And so you just have to remember that this clash of the world against God's spirit and against his kingdom is going to come during this time as well. So, but you have God's power on your side. You have more help now than you do most times to give an answer to people. When they ask you about, you know, well, don't you think Christmas is too commercial? No, not really. Huh? I think we ought to use whatever we can use to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Huh? I, you need to ask them. When people buy you gifts, do you tell them to take them back because they're being too commercial? Hypocrite. Um, the other spirit that was released is the spirit of joy. <laughs> Since I didn't kill Tigger, I'm all happy now. <laughs> hey, wee. You have your fun, I have my fun. Hey. <laughs> wee. Okay. <laughs> and Luke chapter 1 and verse 13. <laughs> when Zacharias is in the temple, this is where he's first ministering. In the temple. He sees an angel. And when Zechariah saw him he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him fear not Zacharias for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son and shall call his name John. And verse 14 and you shall have great joy and gladness. So this spirit of joy and gladness is something that's released in abundance during this time. How anybody can be depressed, you just have to work hard at it. huh? You just have to just keep resisting God, resisting people, and resisting everything to stay in a bad mood. But it is a time where the spirit of joy is released in abundance and rejoicing. Joy. Why? Because the the answer to all your problems is being released into the earth. Hmm? God is here to forgive our sins and to help us. Sin is the biggest problem we have, folks. People are not your problem. Iniquity is our problem. It causes us to miss God. It causes many problems in our lives. It causes more upset. And so God is saying there's joy now because I brought the answer. And it's free to all humanity. It's not just limited to to my people that have been chosen. You know, don't think when at Christmas time that because you're a Christian you're special. And these other people out here just don't know. Oh, if they only knew. Well, you're here to show them. Uh-huh. You're here to demonstrate the love of God. That's why it's good for you to give gifts. Don't be one of these stingy little you know, hmm, kind of people. I was struggling. Yeah, last year I had too many things to do during Christmas time, and I kept planning to have somebody put lights up on the house. And so I was complaining to somebody. I said, "People don't think Jehovah Witnesses live here. Give me some lights up." <laughs> you know, I mean, come on now. We, this is what one of the things that differenti- differentiates us from the world: the fact that we demonstrate the light of the world. So y'all the chiefs case, don't worry about that light bill. Go on, put them lights up. 
some little go to dollar store and get them little dollar strings huh i'm not advocating just you know spending all your but put put a little string somewhere huh put a little light up on your house you don't have to go all up on the roof and and risk life and limb and then we got to take you to emergency room but put some little lights around your house put a string out on the shrubs you know or something like that but get some lights out there because this is a time of joy and rejoicing and we need to demonstrate that we love the Lord and we celebrate his birth. So there's so many different ways that we can demonstrate our love for God and celebration of his birth. In uh, Luke 1.44, can look over there. This is the visitation of Mary and Elizabeth. Verse 39, Mary arose in those days and went to a hill country with haste into Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Now this is a smart girl. When you've had a supernatural occurrence, you go to the spiritual people in the family. If, you, if you're blessed to have a high priest as a cousin, huh, you go to their house when God does something supernatural in your life. Huh? Don't go to the crazy people at your job. And try to tell them about spiritual things. Tell them about your dreams and what God spoke to you. They don't care. And will take your dream and ram it down your throat. They make The devil makes note of these things. And the next time something bad happens in your life, they want to throw it up in your face. Where's your God now? So she goes to the spiritual people so that what is happening in her life can make sense to her. And she can get it solidified. And then she could hold on to it. And part of it was to support her cousin who was pregnant at this time. And it was very common for young women, uh, handmaidens so to speak, to go and assist them during the last months of a pregnancy. And it says, came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. Hmm? Now, I always tell people whenever I read this scripture, underline it for your friends who want to advocate abortion. And say that baby is just a blob of tissue and there's no life there. Because this woman, she's pretty pregnant. She's about six months pregnant. But still, that baby's got life there. It's had life all along. It didn't just get life at six months. It's had life all along. So this baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Huh? So there's a miracle of the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the power of God coming upon her when she connects with Mary. So this miraculous power now tends to be infectious and goes from person to person to person. Everybody who's got a visitation or has heard something or or has got uh, uh, some kind of touch from God now is sharing this spirit. So this spirit that's, that was on um, Mary when she prophesied now gets on the baby in Elizabeth's womb and it's on Elizabeth too. So the spirit of God, the miracle working anticipation and joy spirit is infectious from person to person. And Elizabeth begins to get the power to prophesy herself. Verse 42, she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou... Among women. That's the way I used to say it. Blessed art thou amongst women. <laughs> when y'all swimming. How much time do I have? We're okay? 
Okay. All right. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We can say it. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And we used to bow our head when we said that. Did y'all do that? Yep. Jesus. Yep. <laughs> Holy Mary, Mother of God. Which God really has no mother. She was the mother of Jesus. Or you know what I'm saying. But um, the thing of it is. Is that part of that scripture was so sacred to Christians. It was lifted strictly out of the Bible. You'll find that a lot in Catholic tradition. They pray more word than some people who are supposed to be saved. Hmm? Even the rosary got the word on there. Got the Lord's prayer on there. So they're praying the prayer that Jesus told them to pray. So no wonder their prayers get answered. Hello. <laughs> but anyway, where was I at? I'm just, I killed Tigger and I just got real carried away with that. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Verse 43. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of your salutation sounded in my ear, the babe leaped in my womb for joy weeped in her womb for joy so the joy of the lord at this time is very infectious it begins to move from person to person to person in luke 2 chapter 10 we see the same thing happening with shepherds so we're going from the high priest to the wise men who are very wealthy and now we've got lowly shepherds Basically working men or working people who worked hard for a living. And so the Spirit of God even visits people who are of low estate. That's what Mary said. And so it is infectious in that it is able to make visitation upon anybody who will yield to its power. And so here we see in Luke 2 verse 10 the angel said to them fear not for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to everybody to all people huh and the great joy and the rejoicing is that you have jesus who is able to forgive you your sins that's the great joy joy comes when your sins are forgiven Hmm? you ask secular people who don't know god the problems that they have because they live apart from god and live estranged from him they, you have to figure out a way to do everything themselves, hire somebody to do it, pay good money to have it done. They would love to be able to have a relationship with somebody that they could go to in a time of need or to get wisdom, knowledge, direction, instruction, everything that we get from God they can't get. And so the joy is that that way of living is over now. You have a better way of living that's come to all people. And so this is this is good news. This is the best good news that there is in the earth. Is the news that you don't have to live as a sinner anymore. You don't have to be bound by anything. You don't have to be entrapped by anything. Now I know people in the world think they're having fun, but we know better. We know better. We know that this is the best way to live, and it may be difficult sometimes, but there's great joy and rejoicing in the fact that Jesus loves you and that he is your Lord and Savior. So the great joy comes to everybody. And you see that here in the word. This spirit is visiting on everybody 
Mm-hmm. Meek, lowly people, humble people. Angels are coming out and talking to people. Is another touch of the miraculous. Huh? If there's ever a time you might see an angelic visitation, it's it's now. Years ago, I read a book by Norman Vincent Peale. Now, some of his stuff seemed to get a little new agey the older he got. But, you know, he, he was a minister. Uh, um, he, I think he had a church, one church. I know he had a church in New York City in Manhattan. He had another church, I think, in Philadelphia. Always had large churches in major cities. And he experienced many miracles throughout his life. But most of them happened around Christmas time. He would have miracles of people that that uh, would just appear to him and would help him in in ministering and helping people who were poor. It was always something to do with giving to the poor during that time. And so this is a, a time of angelic visitation. That's part of the miracle working power of God. So in, what do we do? Matthew chapter 2 and verse 10 I think it is. So here we see the three wise men again. And they're trying to find their way to where the king is and they want to go and worship him as a baby. Hmm? Hmm? They're humbling themselves to a great degree. Here they are, grown men, humbling themselves to worship a king who is only a baby. And he says when in verse 9, when they had heard the king, they departed, talking about Herod. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Another miracle. They're being guided by a star that moves. Now, y'all know most stars just sit up there, you twinkle, twinkle, little star. And you don't know if they move or not. They kind of tend to look like they move. But this star they followed. Hmm? guided them to the place and stood right over the crib where the new king was. God is very precise, folks. When you want something from him, he will make sure that you get it by a miracle. If he has to make a star move, it's nothing for God to make a star move. There's nothing for him. You know, they have this phenomenon. They talk about shooting stars, which is rare. Uh-huh. And but because most of them are hell stationary, so he got stars moving around and people following them, and knowing it's God, uh-huh. they know it's God. And so again, it says when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. So you see God's spirit causing people to have joy and rejoicing, no matter what state they're in. This spirit goes to all people in all circumstances. You can rejoice if you've got a lot of stuff, and you can rejoice if you got little stuff. This is a time of rejoicing. It's just a time of rejoicing. And so we have to appreciate that about the Spirit of God, that he helps us to enjoy his Son during this time. The other thing that is released during this time is peace. And this is very, very important to make sure you don't carry strife, Anger and bitterness. And you know the devil will try to get you involved in it. Hmm? Look at that. You ain't got but so much money. How you going to get presents for everybody? Hmm? How you going to do this? How you going to do this? Yeah, my God shall supply all my needs. I have peace about it. I'm not going to stroke out. I'm not going to trip. I'm just going to stand here and see the salvation of the Lord. Because what he has for me, he will provide and put it into my hand.
Verse 13, the angel of the Lord said to him, fear not, Zacharias, for your prayer has been heard. So he comes to give him peace. He superimposes his peace on top of his fear. That's the way God does. You ever notice you don't have to get rid of your fear? Peace just comes over you. When you get ready to trip and you think to yourself, now listen, I can't lose my mind about this. And you just begin to reflect on the mercy of God and the goodness of God. Just peace just comes, boom, and sits on top of all of your fear and your worry and all of your concern. In Luke 2.14, you say that, see the same thing. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That was the salutation of the, of the angels to the shepherds. And again, the shepherds were beginning to fear. But the angels told them, fear not, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And then the heavenly host appeared to these people. So they had a great angelic visitation. So God sends angels all over the place. First we see them meeting Zacharias in the temple. Then they meet Mary. Now they're meeting the shepherds. Meeting the wise guys. They're all over the place. And they minister to everybody. They minister to everybody. The word says that angels are sent to minister to those who will be heirs of salvation. And they will minister to you before you've accepted the Lord. Amen. So you're an heir of salvation. So they are there to minister to you at whatever time. So great peace is released during this time. Great peace. You'll find it's very easy to go visit Uncle Fred Fred the drunk who tears up everybody's house when he comes over. You can invite him over without fear. Uh, he'll come in your house and be a good boy. Uh, why? Because of the great peace that God releases during the spirit of Christmas. The other thing is prophetic fulfillment. And this is all over this episode in the Lord. Isaiah prophesied about a son being born. Isaiah 9, 6. Unto us a son is born. Unto us a child is given his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of the Peace. Of the increase of his government and kingdom there shall be no end. So he's an everlasting king. I mean this is the king of kings. This is the one to end all kings, folks. There are no more kings after him. And so when we talk about prophetic fulfillment, this was part of what Isaiah prophesied so many years before about the Messiah. The prophecy of Genesis 3.15 comes to pass. Way back at the beginning. When the man and the woman fell. This is a prophecy where God told Eve that her seed would bruise the serpent's head. It would be the seed of a woman without the man. So Jesus is the seed of the woman born without the man. You know, in this day and age, you hardly want to say that because the devil's perverted it so much. This is a one-time occurrence. That ain't no license for everybody to go out and, you know what I'm saying, have babies out of wedlock. You know, the church doesn't have to give permission to do that. People do that anyway. Uh, But that's how the enemy perverts the word of God. 
It makes you think you have a right to have children any kind of way you want to when God ordained families first. Amen? So God will put solitary people in families, but he ordained the children be born into a family. But this was the exception because he needed a vessel that he could set apart for his own use because this was a special mission and a special ministry, one-time thing for one person to come forth this way. So her, he being born of the seed of the woman without the man is part of prophetic fulfillment. The other prophecy, one of the other prophecies that was fulfilled is Luke one twenty-eight. Where the angel comes and tells Mary. Verse 27. He says a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. So this is a virgin woman. Who is who is giving birth or is conceiving a child by the Holy Spirit. Very unique experience. But it was prophesied by Isaiah that a virgin would give birth to a son. And that's how you would know the Messiah. So all of these prophecies about Jesus must be fulfilled. Must be. All of them. You can check them out in the Bible. I think there's what 300 some odd messianic prophecies. You can check and see they're all fulfilled in Jesus. You'll even see when his earthly ministry was going on. They were saying that it might be fulfilled. Hmm. And that's the only reason sometimes they can give you for why some of these things happen. It's to fulfill what's been said. So all of God's word is true. And it must come to pass. It must be fulfilled. And Luke one forty five, you see another one. Prophetic fulfillment. Blessed is she that believed for there shall be a performance of those things that were told her of the Lord. So Mary really is a blessed woman because she believes God. I always think, I said, how many, I wonder how many young women were approached by an angel and were turned down. They turned it down because of unbelief. But Mary believed God, so that meant that God had to fulfill. It's still a matter of your faith and your believing. That God has to have somebody who believes him. And believes that she is the one. He uses ordinary people. And Mary just really believed God's word. She didn't think of herself as special or extraordinary. But because she believed God's word. There was a performance of things that were told to her. And she became a blessed and elevated woman. Luke 2.26. You see another prophetic fulfillment. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So this is Simeon who was waiting for a promise. God had promised him that before he died he would see the Messiah. And after, and he knew it was Jesus. Now there were all kind of little babies being circumcised in the temple. Brand new baby boys, eight days old. And so they come in the temple to be circumcised. And so somehow he knows this baby. Why? Because the spirit of God is a spirit of revelation and will reveal to you exactly what he's doing. 
there could be all kinds of things going on in the room but when God wants to talk to you he'll make it known to you what's going on and so Simeon is there in the temple and he's not sure what this is all about but he knows God's made a promise to him and so when he sees the baby he came by the spirit the Bible says into the temple let me read this to you in verse 25 behold there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and the same man was just and devout he's a worshiper of God so people who are close to God get privileges some people don't you understand what I'm saying it's good to walk close to God we all have that ability now And he was a just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. In other words, he was waiting for the Messiah to be born. So Jesus' birth is acknowledged by wise men from the east who were astrologers, kings, thought to be astrologers and kings. And so it's also then recognized by people in the church. It's also fought by a secular head. And it's fought by religious people. And so he says he's waiting for the Messiah or the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him to tell him something, to reveal something to him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. There's all kind of ways to come in church, y'all. You can come in here because somebody made you. Huh? Sometimes your kids are like that. They just come because mama made me. She ain't going to let me stay at home. She ain't going to put me. I can't rebel. But it's good to come in by the Holy Ghost. I mean, even if mama makes you, you can come in by the Holy Ghost. Uh, you can yield to the Spirit of God because he's here to help you know what's going on. It says it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, The Lord now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation. Which you were prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles. Now he goes off prophesying too. See. That spirit of prophetic fulfillment and prophecy. Is released during that time. If you ever want to bless people. Do it at Christmas. Say good things. Those are prophetic words during those times. Because they're empowered by God. You can bless people and say nice things about them at Christmas. You can't say any other time. Huh? You can just find it in your heart. To just want to be a giving blessing person during that time. He said let your servant depart in peace because I have seen your salvation. He says a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And so again the parents get the overflow of the blessing. It says Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother behold this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign which shall be spoken against and yea, a sword also also shall pierce through your own soul. So she was prepared that her son would be a controversial person. She was prepared for it by God through this man's word. Then there was Anna the prophetess. And she served God day and night in the temple. And she was able to see the Messiah before she left the earth. So there are some people, folks, that God keeps alive. Just to fulfill his word to them that they will be able to partake and receive a certain things. 
always set your goals high in God. You know, there have been people that, um, this is kind of sometimes a common thing, I think, uh, people who maybe are stricken with cancer or some kind of incurable illness. Oh, God, please let me live to see my kids grow up. And kids get out of high school and the parent takes sick again. You see, set your goals high. God, let me live forever. Uh, let it be a crime against the elderly before I get out of here. You know, take me out of here. Uh, let me be around here forever and ever and ever. But set your goals high because you have God's spirit in you. And that spirit is always going to be a help, a comfort. It's going to be a blessing to people of the earth. So you are here blessed to be a blessing. So don't just set your goals so low as I just want to see them get grown up. You might get what you expect. So expect more out of God because he wants to give you more. The spirit of giving is also a major, major part. Prophecy comes out of the spirit of giving. It is a spirit that comes to bless people with the word. The word is full of power and the word has prosperity in it. So whenever the word of God is prophesied, that's part of the spirit of giving okay, and blessing. When God gives his word, it is a major blessing. Luke 2, 7, we see it here. I'm sorry, where am I here? Let's go to Matthew 2.11. It's talking about the wise men visiting, coming to worship. Whenever you worship, you always bring gifts. So giving is a part of worship. Always is. And God directs us to give gifts to one another as part of the spirit of worshiping him. We do it as unto the Lord. So what we are saying in our giving to one another is if God were here receiving this, this is what I would give him. I give you this in his place. Because I'm giving it as unto the Lord. In other words, God is receiving. God's receiving. My attitude of my heart in the gift that I give to this person. So it's always good to give your best and give from the heart. Don't give grudgingly and don't, you know, be mad because people ask you to participate in a gift exchange. You know, God knew you were going to be here. So participate. Huh? Well, somebody say, ouch, I don't know what's wrong with y'all today. Huh? But this is what happens with people. They're looking at the material and not what God's trying to get in your heart. Do you know if you give the first gift, more will follow and fall into your hands? You sow that seed and God will put more into your hand to give to more people. Big problem sometimes at Christmas, everybody gets this takey-takey attitude on them. Well, repent. Hmm? Because then we're fighting God. You start looking at what somebody gave you. And you're mad because they didn't spend as much as you spent. Or that gift isn't as nice. Or look what I got. Nah, yeah, 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 Scrooge. <laughs> shoot you like I shoot Tigger. Hmm? 
shoot that stingy devil and that selfish devil and that crabby devil. Huh? Giving is a part of worshiping God and giving to one another. You can't help God out. He don't want nothing you got but your worship. Huh? And so he wants us to bless, encourage, and give to one another. So there. <laughs> But the part about giving, we see the wise men in, in Matthew 2.11. When they were come out of the into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, precious things. Hmm? You know, God's not going to help you give stuff that you don't want. Just throw away stuff. Let me empty my cupboards, all the stuff I don't want. Christmas. Huh? You got to open your treasure. That means your heart. You got to want to do good. You got to want to give your best. You've got to want to give more. You got to want to do it. And God will take care of your wants. When you want to give your best, he will supply it to you. Huh? He is not giving you no cast off stuff to give to nobody to celebrate his son's birthday. He wants you to give your best. And usually if you prime the pump by sowing that first gift, it will shock you how quickly other things will materialize and come into your hands to give more. But you got to get it going. Uh, Miss Clydell, me and you can just have service by ourselves. I don't know where the rest of these dead people are. Huh? They sitting up there. Oh, she talking about give. She don't know. Hey, she can give money because she got all that money. You don't know what I got, huh? People always accuse you of being rich. <laughs> I'll receive it. <laughs> I receive it. But I don't give because I have, honey. I'm the widow, but the might. I give the might all the time. <laughs> I give the might all the time. So you know, it doesn't matter what you have. You got a heart. And God wants to touch your heart to want to give. And he'll put stuff in your hands. Somebody will give you something that's too small. Well, either lose some weight real quick or get a clue. It ain't for you. It's for somebody else. Hello? That person that that fits that's in your heart to want to give to them, that's day stuff. Get to them. Scrooge. Bye, humbug. <laughs> so, all right. So they give gifts. It's it's part of God's spirit to prompt you to give during this time, and you're expecting to receive as well. God will. It, it, this seed increases so fast. This you know seed time and harvest. It's seed and harvest during this time because that spirit of giving is so infectious. That people will give to you. Sometimes people will say, well, you know what? I couldn't think of anything to give you, so I just felt I should give you some money. Bingo. That's your money. That's your seed to buy a gift for somebody else that you were just crabbing to God. You didn't have it. So now it's in your hands. So what you going to do with it? Huh? He'll show you how quickly he can return on the seed that you sow. Very, very quickly during this time. The other spirit that's very prevalent is a spirit of forgiving. There's giving and this forgiving. Forgiving flows out of the spirit of giving. It's a deeper work. 
There is a sense to buy gifts as peace offerings during this time. This is your opportunity to make peace with somebody that you've been at odds with. And there's a there's a grace for them to receive your gift. This is one time where it probably won't be refused, confused, misinterpreted, and misunderstood. It's during Christmas. Because people expect to receive during this time. And this is part of Zacharias' prophecy. And this is why it was so important for him to hold his words and be careful about this, his words. Because God was stirring up this prophecy in him ever since uh, he was expecting the birth of his son. So sometimes it takes time for God to give you an accurate word of prophecy. And there's a timing for the release of the word. This word would not have been appropriate any time other than the time when he was spoken. In verse, uh, in Luke 1 and verse 67, And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Now there have been 500 years since Malachi. They hadn't heard a prophecy, got a visitation from God in many, many years. And when God did decide to speak again, it was a whopper. Okay, He released angels all over the place. He began to speak to people great and small. He speaks to prophets. He speaks to kings. He speaks to people everywhere. He speaks to the shepherds, to the wise men who came and humbled themselves and visited a baby and worshipped a baby. That they didn't know anything about a foreign baby at that from a religious group of people that that had a very obscure and controversial history throughout the world. And so here all of these things begin to come together and Zacharias God sends prophecy through a prophet to sum up what he's doing to make sense of what he's doing to allow people to to hear and understand that this is that. It's one of those times. And so when God is sometimes God is quiet for a very long time on the earth. But when he comes forth, he comes forth in a bang and an explosion that will change and revolutionize the earth. He does that all the time. He does it in what we call revivals or moves of God. The voice of God will seem to be very silent or not as 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 prominent as it has been and he goes dormant. And then he's preparing in the hearts of his servants a message that will come forth and explain what he's doing in the earth. He always does it. He says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. So he's telling people exactly who the Messiah is, where he is. He's tying it in to prophecies that have been spoken about the Lord. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. Now prophets have been since the world began. Adam was the first prophet. He prophesied to his wife. He prophesied to his kids. He prophesied to the animals. He spoke by the Spirit of God to everybody and everything that was on the earth. And he says that we should be saved from our enemies... And from the hand of all that hate us. So God will save you from natural enemies. But he will also save you from spiritual enemies. 
And he will save you from yourself. Which you are sometimes your worst enemy. Huh? And he says to perform the mercy promised to our fathers. So Jesus coming to the earth was God's act of mercy. The Bible says mercy and truth have kissed each other. Huh? So truth comes forth in great mercy. Instead of it being the law and the rules and the regulations and the do's and the don'ts. And if you do this you're cursed. And if you do this you're. It's mercy now folks. And he says that we would be saved from our enemies, the hands of those that hate us. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Which he had been silent for 500 years. Now Zacharias has the privilege of announcing that God is remembering his holy covenant and his people. And he says the oath which he sware to our father Abraham. Hmm? Now he's doing this. He's not reading any Bible. He's not taking any notes. He is speaking from the spirit of God. And he's tying together the history of God's people. And tying the Jew in with the Christian. And he says that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies. Again he's talking about deliverance. Out of the hand of your enemy might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness. Now the way you serve God without fear is that you renounce your sins and you be holy as he is holy. And that's how you enter into to the, the throne room of God. You don't have to be afraid that God's mad at you. You don't have to be afraid that he's going to get even with you for things you did throughout your life you know you shouldn't have done. Sinners know they shouldn't be sinning when they sin and they do it anyway. Hoping not to get caught. But see when God catches you in his covenant he's doing it without fear. You don't have to be afraid that he's going to do anything to punish you. He's here to bless you with mercy. He says in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou child, he's talking about John, shall be the prophet of the highest. For you shall go before the face of the Lord and prepare his ways. Make the people straighten up and look for God. And he says to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. So this is what people need. They need their sins forgiven. And when God sends his spirit during the season of Christmas, there is great acknowledgement of how sinful people are and their desire to repent and turn away. Don't think this ain't a time to get folks saved, folks. It is. Because the spirit of salvation through the remission of sins is announced during this time. He says, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high has visited us. He's talking about Jesus who was not yet born. So he's prophesying that John will be the one to announce Jesus' ministry and his life unto the earth. To give light to them that sit in darkness. This is the problem with people in the world. It's not that they don't have this and they they are in darkness. So Jesus comes to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. He'll pluck them out of that and to guide our feet into the way of peace. And so Zacharias has the job of preparing this prophecy in his heart. And when his tongue is loosed, he gives forth the the announcement that God is a forgiving God. He's not a mean God. He's though, And he's not a permissive God either. He cares if you live right. 
He cares that you stay out of sin. He cares about all those things. But he does it with great mercy. So during this time God releases you to be able to minister all these things to everybody. His love, his peace, his goodness with great joy and with rejoicing and giving and forgiving and receiving and great love and great great uh, uh, embracing of all people no matter what their status. From the, the homeless person to the person that's got a lot. God equalizes. He levels the playing field for everybody because he is the Lord of all. So why don't we stop? My Father, we thank you for allowing us access to the knowledge of your son Jesus Christ in the remission of our sins through the tender mercies of our God whereby the day spring from on high is visited us. And we thank you Jesus for visiting us again and again and again and again. And we will let this Christmas be different than any other Christmas because we acknowledge your spirit as you work in the earth to accomplish your will during this time. We thank you for the help you give us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord.